Welcome to Enneagram Conversations with Jackie Brewster and Courtney Barman, where you'll uncover and discover more about yourself and others through the helpful tool of the Enneagram. I'm your host, Julie Underwood. So today we are honored to introduce our guest, Lindsay Nobles. Now, Lindsay, you and Jackie have been friends for a long time, right? A long time. Yep. Yes. Lots of years together. I love, one of the things I love about Lindsay is she will randomly send me pictures of the kids from like 10 years ago and all of our friends together. So it's just this sweet snapshots of the past and um, lots of history, lots of life lived together. They were so small and Mm -hmm. now they're not. I know. (laughs) Now they're babysitting your baby, which is crazy. Well, Lindsay, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself, where you're from, what you do, and especially about that sweet baby boy, Ben? Yeah, I live in Nashville. Um, I grew up in Dallas. I think from is always such a funny question. (laughs) Um, But so there's some Texas in me and some Tennessee and some other places too. But I work at Onsite, which is uh, we do emotional health retreats and have a long-term residential trauma treatment facility um, and then have online courses and classes around emotional health and a business consulting division and an entertainment division. So growing, it's so fun. I love where I am. I am a four on the Enneagram, um, kind of hopping ahead there, but it's like very important for me to have like purpose in my work. And so being at Onsite has been a major gift for me. And then I was I'm single and in my 40s, I realized I didn't want to miss out on motherhood. So I started the pursuing a fertility journey and now I have a year and a half year old um, named Ben and he's just the best thing ever. And so glad that I sort of followed the prompting to pursue that because it's just brought so much joy to my life and to so many other people too. I mean, he is a gift to the world. Like Steve and I both, our whole family adores him. But whenever Lynn's posts pictures of him, I'm like, I could eat him up. Steven is, feels the same way. Like, oh my gosh, he's, there's just something about him that, um, there's hope. I mean, I don't know. There's Ben is just, he's going to do some amazing things. He's surrounded by some pretty awesome people that love him really well. So it's kind of neat to see. I love it. Yes, I think that's true. Too. Not to put too much pressure on him, but no, no pressure on Ben. Ben just needs to be Ben. Oh, I totally agree. <laughs> and we can, we just like, ah, oh, man, I don't know. He's just so joyful. There's just, it's beautiful. All right. So Lindsay, we love to introduce our guests with some questions to get to know you a little bit better. Are you game? Yeah, totally. Let's do it. So first, what is your go-to Starbucks order? Oh, you know, it's so funny. I used to be like a major Starbucks person and in the season I've like gotten out of the habit, but I have gone a couple times lately and I've just discovered the cold foam mm. on top of like an iced latte and it's heaven. So I usually will get like an iced oatmeal latte with like maybe a cold foam. Yeah. Wait, the cold just foam is that. really refreshing. Is it sweet? It's a little sweetened. It's got like a hint of it, but it's not like, like I do that in lieu of like syrups and it's perfect. All right. What do you consider a perfect Saturday? I really like good weather. So like spring or fall and being outside doing something with friends and family. So like this Saturday was pretty perfect. I went with a friend 
uh, and our babies to a little festival that they had in Nashville. And it was so fun just being outside. Finally, how many states have you lived in? Okay. Texas, Colorado, Alabama, Tennessee, California. So five. Do you have a favorite? I really love Nashville. I kept coming back. I moved away a couple times. I keep coming back. It just feels like home. It's funny. Um, yeah, not growing up here. I love Texas and it is where I was born and raised, but I, Tennessee definitely feels like home now. So we've been friends for a long time and I love the Enneagram and you love the Enneagram. We love all different modalities of, of um, emotional healing for sure. So I would love though, for our audience to hear you talk about finding your Enneagram type because your journey is so unique. Yeah. Yeah. I want you to talk about it. Cause I don't, I think people think they just take a test, whatever the test says, that's what they are. And then they just live, you know, they try to, they try to make themselves fit into a box when that is not the purpose of the Enneagram. So I'd love to hear your journey. Yeah, I probably heard about the Enneagram for the first time like 15 or 20 years ago um, in a professional context. Somebody knew about it. I was like, this is a really helpful tool. So I went online and took the test and it told me I was a six. And I was like, great, I'm a six. And I read things about the six that like really made sense and some things that didn't feel like they fit. But I was like, well, the test told me I'm a six. I didn't really think much about it for like the next probably five years. And then as more people were talking about the Enneagram and learning more about it. I realized there was something about the six that was like deeply important that didn't fit. And so I sort of began a journey of like trying to really dig in and figure out what my number was. And so I tried on several numbers. I think I thought I was a three for a while. I thought maybe I was a two for a while. I thought maybe I was a one for a while. I think those were the ones I really kind of honed in that because like the one I had like a loud inner critic, the two, I definitely like see my connection to the two, especially in seasons where I'm not my healthiest self, where I like kind of move into like a more serving others role and it makes me grumpy. And then (laughs) the three, I would say like my early years were very, um, I was very driven to be successful professionally, but also just like loved being around people and kind of being in the center of people. But I realized, um, I guess now I've probably known for sure that I'm a four for about five-ish years, maybe a little bit longer than that. And I realized that I had a pattern and my pattern was sort of in the tension of the three, four, where I would like build things and then I wouldn't like them because they didn't feel authentic or real or like I wanted them to. And so I'd kind of like deconstruct them. And I kind of had done this several times in jobs where, or, you know, like building organizations that I sort of would like, like something and then I would like tear it down. And so I just realized that that three, four thing was very real to me. And I always would choose authenticity over like professional success or performance, even to my own detriment. So that was like the big, one of the big clues. And then the other thing that really helped me realize I was a four was the conversation about stances 
And I realized that I also would prefer to be a little bit more withdrawn and pursued. And so that was like a super helpful eye opener. But I like would ask everyone. I would get long conversations about it. It took me forever to figure out what I was. And it's so funny. Even now, if people don't know me super well, they're like, you're not a four. I don't present as a four. I would never test as a four. Like a lot of my um, behaviors are not very fourish, but I am a self-preservation four, which is the counter type. So it is more uh, normal for self-preservation four to not present as fourish. And then also I think I have a ton of like adapted behaviors that, you know, like keep me from really looking like a four, but it's in there. And so it's been so helpful to like know that is what's under it all. Right. It's so interesting because it's around the motivation. So digging through and really figuring out what, what is the motivation? Um, and you are a driver. Like I have watched you succeed in so many different areas of your life and drive. So I can definitely see why people would think, or maybe you would even think like the Enneagram three fits, but it is the authenticity piece that it's like the ding, ding, ding that happens with the, between the Enneagram three and the four, it's like, who's going to win. And it depends on which is dominant. So if you have a dominant three performance will win every single time, like it will win. Um, if you are a four, the authenticity piece wins because at the end of it, eventually you get to that place. Like you said, like you get to that place where this isn't me, this doesn't feel comfortable, or I don't feel like I'm being authentically true to who I am and I can't do it anymore. Um, and so that, I love that you talked about that in the self-preservation. I was going to ask you that because I think that that's key as, as far as like why that four presents so differently. It's totally why I tested, you know, like 15 years ago is a six because a lot of my behaviors are very six-ish because it's, I, I think like my self-preservation-ness is like way more of an identifier for me than my number even is. So I can identify with a lot of the self-preservation behaviors and other numbers as well, like the three. And I've been to a lot of your houses and it feels like a self-preservation. It feel, it's warm and cozy and there's intentionality around things that matter to you. Um, it feels like you just feel it, it's very welcoming um, and safe in our house. Like um, you just get in there and I'm like, I'm going to sit on your couch. I want to cozy at, you know? Um, so I can definitely see that self-preservation. It's so interesting, you know, just to hear other people's journeys on how they found the Enneagram type. But I love, I love it when it takes time because that means you are willing to do the work to really, it's not just a fun tool. It's actually a journey, you know, a life journey. For sure. It's been fun too, as I've gotten older, I can now see like my five wing. Like, I feel like I've leaned post 40 way more into my five wing, which is like a whole different muscle that I'm learning to use. It's, it's really interesting. So, all right. So this month we are talking about the heart longing messages and how they relate to each Enneagram number. So the heart longing message is a message you needed to hear from your parents in childhood. You may have heard this message at times, but perhaps not as often as you needed to feel safe, seen, and secure. So I know that you're familiar with this, Linz, um, and just even the other work that you've done around this heart longing message. And so for the Enneagram 4, that message is to be accepted as you are, like 
just as you are, you know, I'm raising a four, I've got fours that are sisters. And one of the things that um, I recognize in childhood for them, and I have to be careful with hope in my world is the idea of um, their expression of emotion, whether it be happy, sad, bad, whatever it is that I'm not like, that's too much or put it away or because as an Enneagram seven, I definitely want to say like, that is enough. And when they were younger, I for sure was like, I can't do it. But understanding this message for a four has made all the difference in parenting. Um, but we definitely want to hear from you around how this message has affected you throughout your life. Yeah, I, I think I was one of those people that didn't think a ton about my childhood until I did on-site living center program like six years ago, pre-working it on-site. So I feel like I still am trying to f- put all the pieces together about like what messages did I get and which messages did I maybe not hear enough. And so I, I think that when you were talking about sort of that heart longing in the four, I think that, you know, like one of the narratives I heard a ton growing up and it's funny, it still comes up in my family and I'm like, this is so funny how people say this all the time, but they always said that I wanted to be the big sister and I'm, I'm the youngest. My sister's like five and a half years older than me. And that is like one of those things that like, it like kind of makes me bristle whenever anyone says it. Cause I'm like, what are you trying to say? But I think that it was like a lot of like, I came in kind of wanting to assert myself and like finding my place. And my sister and I are, have very similar interests and like, we like a lot of the same things but our personalities are very different. She is a nine. Um, She's very fluent in the Enneagram too, which is helpful. And then we also have like very different relationships with our parents and dynamics because of the age difference and the season of life that our parents were in and then our birth order. And so I think that in some ways, yeah, I think I just wanted to find my place and fit and belong, you know, and with friends too of like, who am I and how do I show up in the world and how do I be accepted? I think my self-preservation self really covered that or like really um, colored the way that I probably showed up with that heart message because it was like, what is the safest way to belong, you know? And so I think I was always very aware of dynamics and like what was needed. And I think in childhood and still that looked a lot like me being very self-sufficient so interesting that I just heard you say of what was needed. So the Enneagram Enneagram 4 goes to the Enneagram 2 and stress, which is that messaging of like the wanted needed piece. And so in those social situations where you're trying to find where you belong, I can hear that, that string right there of connection to where that, you know, in stress I'm trying to figure this out. Like, who are my people and how do I show up and all of those things. So um, that's interesting to hear that line right there. You know, you said it so beautifully. Uh, I coach a male Enneagram for that self-preservation. And if you thought, if you saw him, you would think he's a three, a hundred percent. You would think he's like winged four, but his dominant is four in this. And I can see this piece right here in his journey as well around um, identity. And I think the other thing I remember as a child really having a hard time regulating anger. And so 
I think what I learned to do was like suppress it and not demonstrate it at all. And so as I've gotten older, it's like, how do I have like healthy expressions of my feelings? And I feel like I'm still learning that more because I feel a ton, but I don't outwardly present my feelings. I have, you know, a lot of friends that are eights or different subtypes are four that are a lot more feeling than I am outwardly. And I'm like, it's all happening. It just is so internalized for me. And as you're old, as you've gotten older, you're right. You're more willing to speak up into those places. Um, I've definitely seen the difference since on site uh, and, and you being able to like, if for lack of a better term, take up space and it be okay with your emotions, um, which I've loved. I've loved to, to see, you know, uh, I think that I have a hard time with emotions as well. And I'm sure Julie does too as a seven. And so it is, it's just fun being with people for a really long time and that seeing people do their growth work. And a lot of us do our work in the group, you know, in the, the group that we're in. And so it's fun to see, I don't know that it's always fun. That's probably not a good word. It's just neat to see all of us feel like it's okay. It's okay for us to be authentically ourselves. It's okay for us to take up space. It's okay for us to have emotions. It's okay for us to agree or not agree with each other on different things. And it's okay for us to speak up when we get our feelings hurt by our friends. Uh, And that has been a journey. That has been a journey in the circles that we've been in. Lindsay, are you able to recognize what triggers your heart longing message to be accepted as you are? And what do you do to protect this message? I recognize like my ability to like show up and like allow myself to like show up in a needier version of myself. And that I don't like, not everybody gets that, but like my inner circle and closest people do, especially in the season of having a young child. Like I have my whole life kind of been a person that like really cared a lot about gathering people and deep friendships and I like very deeply want to be pursued in the way that I pursue others. And I think in seasons where I don't, I can't pursue others as much like having a young child that it feels like really like exacerbated kind of loneliness when I don't feel like people like moving towards me in that. And so I think that that, the push pull of the four is like really at play. And then my inability to say clearly like, Hey, this is what I need or what I want uh, is my work. And so I don't know if I answered your question, but I think that's how it's kind of shown up most recently for me. Yeah. I think you did answer it to be accepted as you are. It's that, it's that like getting out of your comfort zone and being vulnerable in that and the fear of like, will people, think that I'm too much. That's a lot of that for like, do people think I'm too much or not enough? Um, And then in that being vulnerable to say like, this is what I need for my people. And then your people responding and showing up for what you need, but also at times maybe feeling like I need more. And then like you said, it's my work to do around saying that, which is really, really hard. I think that that's that, that protective piece around, um, not wanting to be rejected or be thought of in a different light is sometimes why we hold back and want to protect ourselves from this messaging. So with that Enneagram for that message to be accepted as you are, um, that messaging for an Enneagram for is typically protected. 
so they they move away from others and and try to figure out like who can I go to for this? What does it look like for me to reach out and access people for this? Um, should I or should I not? Because rejection is so loud in the four. So that message is oftentimes protected where in other numbers, it's like, I'm going to move towards and try to get this, this mat. You know, the assertive types are like, I don't, nobody's going to meet it. I'll be fine. But, but you as a four, five, nine, it is like, I want this mat. And it is that back and forth. Like you said, it is that, um, I need somebody to see that I need this. I don't want to have to say it necessarily. Um, and it leads into the, the two, four combo right there, uh, which makes a lot of sense why early on you explored the two. That was a terrible two. <laughs> Jackie and I have a mutual friend that's like the most, like is such a like good two, you know, like she's like so nurturing and loves like really a joke, fills her up to like help other people. And it just made me grumpy. That makes me grumpy too. And can we do something fun while we do it? That's me. I'm like, can we get a dinner and do it? It has meant so much for you to be willing to come on this podcast and share with us and be authentic and be yourself um, and just share your heart today. Um, is, there, is there anything, like any piece of advice or just prompting that you would share with other people around um, doing their own work? Yeah, I think for me, the Enneagram is like a tool of like helping people have language and handles on some of their uh, deeply ingrained tendencies and like start to put the pieces together of like, where did these come from? And it is just a shame when people use it just as like, hey, this is the box that I live in and this is the hand that was dealt to me and so deal with it you know it's like it is an opportunity to get curious about yourself and begin to have language for things and sort of threads that you can pull on about yourself and so I think that the Enneagram is such a great complement to therapy <laughs> you know yes yes and, mm -hmm. and I just love it when people utilize the two together um, and begin to really dig deep into themselves of like, why am I this way? And where did this come from? And my family of origin and how do I like heal some of these wounds and how do I create opportunities for reacting different instead of just living within the confines of my number? And so that has been sort of my journey in it. And it's been sort of hard fought and finding a number that fits and really like digging into the layers of myself. But I think that it's been so rewarding and so, so grateful for y'all's work with the Enneagram and then so grateful for my therapist too, that can kind of help me like put some of the pieces together once I have them. Oh, I love that so much. And that is the growth work. So we are not looking at the Enneagram as a tool to put us in a box. We are looking at the Enneagram to help us uncover and discover the ways that maybe we've put ourselves in a box by different patterns of behavior or defense mechanisms, coping strategies that have helped us get love and acceptance, connection and security in our lives. And so I, I love everything that you've shared with us today. I feel like it's a wealth of knowledge for so many people on this journey of uncovering and discovering more about themselves. So thank you so much for being with us today. Lindsay, can you share with our audience where they can find you at to connect with? 
Sure. Um, you are welcome to go to my Instagram. It's at Lindsay Nobles. Just full disclosure, it's mostly pictures of baby Ben. <laughs> you will not be disappointed. It is precious. I definitely overshare, uh, but he's just too cute not to right now. If you want to learn more about OnSite, we are at experienceonsite.com and then um, experiencemilestones.com is, will be up this summer, which is our longer term residential trauma. Thank you so much for being here with us today. We've so enjoyed getting to know you and learning about our heart longings as well. Join us next time as we continue our conversations about the Enneagram and what it means for your relationships. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss a single episode. And while you're there, we'd love for you to leave a review. Your kind words help others find the show. For more great Enneagram content, you can follow Jackie and Courtney on Instagram at Enneagram with JB and Courtney B. Coaching. To learn more about Jackie and her resources on the Enneagram, you can visit her at EnneagramWithJB.com. We'll see you next time on Enneagram Conversations.